is kind of like a reverse mullet. Party in the front, business in the back. This is Founder Quest. So, three years into the pandemic, and I finally caught COVID, which I feel pretty good about, actually. Yeah, you're overachiever there. That's a pretty um, good long while there. I gotta say, I, I would not recommend it. I don't. I might have been the last holdout, I think. But if you haven't caught it yet, I would recommend not, if you can at all help it. Yes, yeah, I don't think that's one of those experiences that people just choose to have, <laughs> yeah. unless you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been, I think, 10 days tomorrow, so... That's supposed wow. to be like the full in the clear window, but I have heard that you can catch it back to back. So I'm hoping that this is the last time for the winter, but yeah, me and my wife, Kaylin both got it at the same time, which is a whole extra level juggling kids at home and trying to keep everyone separated. And the kids had to stay home from school for a while and we finally were able to get them back in school, but we were still <laughs> not feeling hundred percent. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely a can of worms. Do you feel like you're coming out of it now that you're on the, you're on the mend or is it anything lingering or what? I think I'm definitely feeling better, but just the fatigue is definitely a thing. Like I'm definitely feeling tired just lately and the days are feeling longer. Yeah. If this is a short episode or if I'm not particularly insightful, you'll know. <laughs> well, we won't, we won't tap out all your remaining energy. Got to leave you, leave you some fuel. On the but tank, we can't, right? yeah, we can't, we got to keep the podcast going, right? Yeah, all of our adoring fans, we got to make sure that we are <laughs> never take another two-year break. So <laughs> so what have we been up to besides being uh, being sick? We have gotten some things done this week. Yeah, yeah. So we're plugging away on Insights still. We got one, the current thing we're working on. Oh, we got a few things we're working on there. We got some Real fun quick, stuff that... remind me what Insights is again. I'm, <laughs> my memory's fuzzy and, you know. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Thank you for asking. Uh, so Insights <laughs> is our new structured logging uh, feature that we're adding to HoneyBadger or event capture, whichever way you want to think about it. It allows you to capture the events that are happening that are important to you. So it might be structured logs that you're sending us a bunch of JSON for you know, Rails application or your, your Node application or whatever. Or it might be some events that you're tracking inside your app. Maybe user activations or billing events or anything you want to mm -hmm. be able to query on. Or you can think one thing I really love about insights is that not only can you get the raw data out, which any logging app can do that for you. There's no nothing new there. But the when you query the stuff, then you have a bunch of these functions you can use, like you can aggregate, you can do counts, you can do averages or whatever. And so you can take those logs or those events which basic any kind of event stream and then you can do some analysis based on that and we're using clickhouse behind the scenes and there's a lot of analytics stuff that it provides and so we're leveraging that and you get a log of all of your requests well now you can take the average of the response times and you can then sort that by the longest response time so hey you've got a pretty basic little apm kind of thing telling you yeah you know, what are the, what are the I, longest paths i was going to say yeah. like that what you, that, that sounds like metrics Exactly. Yeah. We're bringing the metrics back after, what was that, 2014 yeah. or whenever we tried the last time? It's been a little while. This is a much different implementation though, because even if you're talking from like the developer perspective in like terms of observability tools, you think that the traditionally observability is like the three pillars, logs, metrics, and traces. And we're not really getting into metrics and traces as like specific, like separate things. We're kind of like stuffing everything into the logs pillar a little bit yeah. right now, but yeah. 
with the analytics engine that is ClickHouse, it sounds like we can actually bring some of the other pillars into Honey Badger just kind of for free, not mm -hmm. to mention the ability to run all those same functions over your customer data or whatever, like customer lifecycle data. You could have like, you know, how, what's your sign up rate over the last two weeks or something like that. And that's easy to chart yep. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to, to like, you can run that query, you can do those aggregates. And then once you got something you like, you can make that into a chart really easily. Click a button and you have a line chart or an error chart or whatever, and then click another button and it's on a dashboard. So now that's persisted forever. So you can come back and you can see that, how that changes over time. It's really a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. So maybe a next feature will have to be something to some sort of abstraction on traces that we can send some traces well, in. I mean, you can already kind of know, send them in cause they're just another event, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that we've been thinking about with traces is another approach to that is just a correlated uh, ID, right? So if you have some people call it a trace ID, some people call it a correlation ID, but basically if you, uh, in rails world, we have a request ID, every request that comes in creates a, a GUID, right? A UUID. And then you can use that to reference all the events that happened from that one request, right? So if you wanted, you could instrument your database queries, your queries out to Elasticsearch, whatever the activities the user does, right? And if they all have that same request ID or the correlation ID, then you can query on that in, in your insights data, right? And then you could see mm -hmm. all those events for that particular request right there in a time series. So yeah, so that's, you know, it's not like a nested span kind of view, but that is a trace of all the things that happened for a particular request. Yeah. Yeah. And we do support like that. We have, have visualizations on top of the data. So, um, maybe in the future we can have some sort of like even yeah, real APM function on top of that. Yep. That'd be cool. And it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I gotta say that sounds hella cool. It, it is hella cool. <laughs> I, just, I gotta, I gotta I, work I, in I, my I, California, <laughs> betray my California roots there. I think for me, like the, the most frustrating bit about it right now is that we are playing with it and loving it and we don't have it quite ready yet for everyone else to play with and love. And so it's like, I've got mm -hmm. all this excitement about it and can't share that excitement with people outside of Honey Badger. It's so sad. It's so sad. I guess that means we need to ship it and take our own advice. Yeah, it's, we're struggling with that, the classic engineer case of like, how good is good enough, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, every product's got warts and this one is no different. There are things like, oh, we wish that was better and this isn't polished enough and oh, that UI could be a little better. So when do you finally say, okay, fine, we just have to deal with it and, and ship it and just, yeah. Yeah. Or wouldn't it be great if we could rework the entire application UI around this feature and add like 10 new dashboards and <laughs> do everything we've ever wanted. Right. I think that's something we've been juggling. Like, um, do we just, you know, cause this is a major, it's, this definitely changes things for the UI and in a perfect world would have like unlimited time to be able to like rethink everything in light of this new feature. But yeah. the reality is that we need this to bring us some revenue at some point mm -hmm. as we continue to work on it. So, um, yeah. Like how do you, how do you decide, um, when it's ready? Yeah. I think for us, it's like, when is it not breaking? Right. When do we feel like we can put it in front of a customer they can use it and have an experience that doesn't involve breakage or frustration. So we're not going to lose any of their data and they're going to be able to do the basic stuff without getting error messages. Yeah. And then, at some point we totally revamp all the UI and everything is completely hundred percent different, but that's not going to be, that's not going to be this week. <laughs> yeah. But we're getting close. Um, we're getting close to actually having it in front of real customers. I mean, we have it in front of real customers. Now we've had yeah. some alpha testers for a while that have been uh, kicking the tires. And I think we've gotten some good feedback from them that we're now able to incorporate into the product. So we've started that flywheel 
and we're getting close to having it more generally available. So that will be, yeah. that will be good. One thing that I did this time that we haven't really done before is we're using Ahoy for tracking uh, our analytics for tracking what page views and clicks and things like that inside our app. So we'll put a link in the show notes, but Ahoy is a gem for Rails that basically logs your user activity in your database or we can log it wherever actually. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're sending Ahoy data to our own internal insights instance so we can do some analysis there. But anyway, that's kind of meta. So what I'm doing, you you mentioned we have some customers using it. So what I did is I set up a, a dashboard based on that Ahoy data which does a query that shows which uh, users are hitting the insights paths in our app, the ones that we haven't exposed to people who don't have access to it yet. And so I can see who's been using it, how often they've been using it, when was the last time they used it. So I can see, oh, Bob checked it out five days ago and clicked around three times and then went away. All right. So this is not like advanced kind of stuff, but it's not something that we've done a whole lot of in the past for our own product. And so it's kind of fun to, to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I like Ahoy as a tool. It's not a tool really for marketers because it's, you know, every time in my experience, every time I want something specific out of it, I have to go like, write you know, some sort of active record query or something, but the ability to be able to do that is really flexible. Like you can, you can basically like once it's collecting the data, the data, you can just pull anything you need out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once we have this launched, then our customers can use Ahoy, send the data to insights, then they can query it using some natural language querying stuff and not have to dive into SQL and be able to do yeah. those kinds of analysis. And you don't have to use blazer, right? Cause that's yeah. what insights can do on top of something like an engine analytics engine, like Ahoy or event exactly. source. Well, talking about fun things we did this week, we actually just earlier this morning, we had a disaster recovery tabletop exercise. We have a monthly ops meeting and this ops meeting is dedicated to doing that exercise. So what we did is we said, Hey, let's pretend that something really bad happened to honey badger. And then how would we walk through the response to that really bad thing happening? And this is something we do every year and at least once a year. And it's a lot of fun. It's fun to see what it would be like to go through an incident without actually having to go through an incident. (laughs) Yeah. I got to say that I'm not like a super, I'm not like super into like tabletop gaming, but I have done a little bit and I have friends who are like super enthusiasts and I gotta say like, it is a fun is like a fun exercise where you don't have too much skin in the game, luckily, but you can kind of like work out some of those scenarios. There's a little bit of a fantasy aspect (laughs) feeling to it. Everyone, once everyone starts to get into the scenario, you start having people like throwing out new ideas or, you know, like there, you know, people we're like trying to solve this imaginary problem together basically. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it is, it is game like, and I, I don't know. I like them. I know you, you put the work into You're like the dungeon master in this scenario. <laughs> Usually you have some sort of like scenario in your head and you set the scene and then, then we go from there. But yeah, it's, I, I enjoy them. I never really thought about that as a dungeon master kind of thing, but I guess you're right. That it just is, struck me. And <laughs> as with our founder quest theme and every, we, we have a I, little bit of a, yeah. So Dungeons I just got a, a new feel. idea. Yeah. 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 I got a new idea, Josh. We can build a new startup just around doing tabletops for dev teams. And I, we can- that's a pretty great idea. I think that, yeah, especially with the audience, that would be a hugely popular as a consulting gig. Yeah. If we don't do it, someone should. <laughs> Someone should. Yeah, there's a free uh, idea. And then we'll hire you. you. Some... Maybe we'll hire yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll at least test out your service for you. How about that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was good. This time our database went away, which is always a fun 
thing to contemplate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And in, in previous years, we've done things like all of US East 1 goes away <laughs> or something like that. So today, we a little smaller scope just if the database went away, which in itself would be a heart attack. But I feel pretty good about how we how we went through that yeah. scenario. Yep. And the thing with like databases is that especially, or just generally single points of failure is that when one fails, then everything else starts failing. You get to kind of brainstorm like all of the other points of failure that are dependent on that thing. And, and how do you respond to each of those individual things and juggle them simultaneously while you're trying to fix the underlying root cause? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, and then I think the thing that's probably most helpful is once you get through all that and you realize, oh, wow, we could make this improvement here and that improvement there, and we could increase our resiliency in this way. Then you have this, like this task list that comes out of it that is really good for, hey, I can sleep better at night now that we've got some of these issues tackled. Yeah. We've got, always got a good to-do list comes out of these meetings. And now we can check the box on our SOC audit for next year that, yes, we did our test. <laughs> yeah, I can take my, like, put the pager back on the shelf and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you're, like, you're wearing, I can, I can switch back to, from slacks back to jeans <laughs> for <laughs> right. another year. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. like, yeah, company, like, yeah, business things. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Business people doing business things. Do you remember exactly. those comics? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should link to that in the show good, notes. <laughs> good stuff. Let's see, the other thing I did this week that I haven't fin- quite finished yet is working on our upcoming team getaway. So we are planning a an offsite. Well, I mean, we're always offsite because we're 100% remote, but we're planning, planning a team get together. <laughs> yes, an onsite, which is weird yeah. for us. We're going to be going to Vegas. Our thought was, hey, let's have some fun while we're doing this. So we kind of miss going to Vegas every year for microconf because microconf is not happening in Vegas every year now. And so we're like, hey, let's do that. So we're going to plan a trip to Vegas, although we're probably not going to stay at the Tropicana, sadly, sad to say. But. Oh, I'm like both sad and relieved. I'm I, like, <laughs> I don't, I was thinking about this and there's some serious nostalgia for the Tropicana. But when you think about the cheap rooms and the stale cigarette smoke, uh, the nostalgia might be, en- <laughs> the memory might be enough. But I am sad to hear that I hear it's being, tor- is it being torn down or yeah, something? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to be no more, which is definitely end of an era pour one out for the trout yeah i actually i went to their booking page i'm like oh let me just see what it you know what's the what's it and if they're still around right um <laughs> and uh, when you go to choose your room you can still choose a smoking room and i'm like yeah. not happening <laughs> yep i remember some of those rooms like <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah it's like time traveling back to the 70s or something for real yeah Good memories, but we will just leave those memories in the past. It'll be but, nice to be uh, back in Vegas, though. Yeah, like I love Vegas. It's fun. Like I'm not a gambler, but I think there's like such a variety of things to do in Vegas. And if you go in the winter, like we're planning on going sometime in January or February, then it's really nice weather. You get a break mm-hmm. from the rain here in Seattle and get some sunshine there in Vegas. And there's great food. And maybe the food is amazing. The food is amazing. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to hit up a Nacho Daddy again. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see a show or something. And of course, it's a great central location for everyone to uh, to fly into, which is, I think, why all the conventions are there. Exactly. Among other things. Yeah. But so so cheap to fly there and so easy. Yeah. So I think once once we nail down the dates, we'll have to think about maybe putting out the word, and maybe we can have a little customer get together for anybody that wants to show up in Vegas. That'd be fun. That could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. 
That uh, made me think about, I was listening to the podcast with Adam Wadden. He was talking about how they recently had a tailwind conference and it started out just as a team get together. And then they like, it snowballed into a, a conference, their first one. So well, like, let's, let's uh, just invite everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe we should do a honey badger conference. I don't know. That would, that would be fun. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> like we're, <laughs> we're not doing tailwind numbers in terms of uh, audience. <laughs> I got to say, um, yeah, but, uh, not. Uh, not, not everyone can be, you know, Adam. <laughs> That's so, true. <laughs> but yeah, I bet we'd get, I bet, bet we get a few people anyway. Yeah. Let's think about that. But the yeah. point is, uh, to get together, to hang out, just have some FaceTime thinking about, you know, doing an Airbnb and just chilling, hitting the pool or playing some Xbox yeah. or whatever and have a planning meeting and just, just like yeah. Drive a tank through, through the desert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh I'll have <laughs> Take to get a some from listeners. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll uh, go shoot some guns or I don't know, go bowling or, oh, there was that, there was that pinball museum thing. Did you go do that? The pinball hall of fame I yeah. think, or something like that. I went to that and it was amazing. Yeah. We should definitely, definitely hit that up. It's still, I forget like their collection. I mean, like it's supposedly like the, one of the bigger collections or the biggest, I'm not sure how they pitch it, but it's Vegas. So it's the biggest collection in the world, I'm sure, <laughs> but it's all like, you know, um, like uh coin operated some of the machines going back to the like 40 like you know some of the early mechanical games um really cool to to see and the guy who like runs the place is just like a crusty old like game mechanic you know like mechanic type mm -hmm. and like he was like working in the back on some of the machines yeah pretty funny he's a he's what you might call an enthusiast i guess <laughs> i yeah i think he's more than an enthusiast i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah i didn't i don't make it to that but the sounds sounds like a lot of fun now can yeah. you play any of the games as you have them set up for playing you can yeah you can play most of them yeah nice. you gotta bring or you gotta get like coins out of the whatever the machine but yeah bring in quarters um, bring some yeah quarters or dollar bills or whatever but yeah it's good oh that'll be fun so we just gotta nail down some dates and it'll be fun to get nailing together. down the dates is the hard part it's especially like we were trying to we were trying to figure out like if we could make this happen in january and everyone's already got a bunch of things that are overlapping i think we're shooting for early february now but that's seems like that'll come together yeah it's uh, surprising just how how hard it can be to get five people's schedules line up and spouses and families too because there's mm -hmm. vacations and so on i was thinking about the uh base camp they made that video a while back a year or so ago about they had to get together in new orleans and they talked about how they use base camp to manage the process of their you know arranging that and i guess they had i don't know how many people but it's got to be you know 50 60 70 people yeah. they're trying to get all in the same place at the same time and that's just i can't even imagine that's got to be a nightmare yep but that's why you use base camp right to make it not a nightmare <laughs> except we don't use base camp <laughs> that, that's true this um, podcast has not endorsed Slack by works okay slack and notion so um one one of the things that we're struggling with or they haven't not necessarily struggling with but haven't finished yet <laughs> for insights one of the things that's kept us from launching yet is that we don't yet have the onboarding quite nailed down like we've been so busy on getting the getting the product ready now we're trying to hustle to get all the stuff that goes around it like the emails out to people to announce it what are you thinking on there on the, on the onboarding side like how are we going to get people to use it more yeah um, use it at all well, you, you need to like be able to at least introduce it to people when they see this new thing in the UI. That's probably the first thing I'm, that's on my mind. And luckily, 
one of the pieces of feedback we received from some of the people that were using it recently was that when you have like some data to play with, um, because you, it's like basically like a query engine. So you see like, you see a list of events basically with fields and you have a query box and it has a query language, Badger QL, which will be unfamiliar to anyone new who's coming in the door. So there's a learning curve that we have that we're going to have to get people over. And, but the thing is that being able to just like dive in and tinker is a great way, especially for developers. Like we hear this a lot that if you can like actually have some data to play with and just start like breaking things, basically, that's a great way, way to start to learn like how the query language works. So what we're planning on doing, at least for our current customers, like that already have been using honey, the other parts of honey badger, they will have some data in the system already because we're going to make all of your internal honey badger data available just out of the gate in the insights page. So you will have something initially just to dive into and start like playing with. So that's what we're thinking right now is having like a light touch, like introduction, onboarding, no big, like walkthrough wizards or anything, just like nudging people to just get into the, basically like dive into the query language. Yeah, I'm a, not a fan of those like nine step tours that you have to go through and you can't cancel and yeah. Yeah, just like push me into the deep end, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then throw Tell me, me a lifeline. <laughs> right, right. Tell me there's a thing. Let me go play with it and then give me an escape hatch when I get when I start to struggle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but that said, like right now we have none of this. We just have a, basically like an event list and a query box. We have we do have some uh, pretty good inline documentation that I think people will really like which is cool. We, in addition to our, our separate docs site, which will have additional documentation. Um, so the docs are right there, but we just need to basically like do a light introduction for people. And, and then of course, like we're, people come like new customers coming in the door, the, it's a slightly different experience for them because they might not have any honey badger data yet. So, the, you know, we have all our existing onboarding problem of let's get you set up, let's get some data into the system and then you can start to explore. So there's like a leveling up process where hopefully we're able to teach people to become like gradually teach them to become expert users of our product. And if we're good at what we do, we might even teach them to just be better expert users in general. That's always like something we like to try to focus on is like, how can we actually like educate developers and just help them be better developers? Even if it's not specifically about our product, usually there's a tie-in. How can you do how can you get better at monitoring, for example? Yeah, what kind of things should you be paying attention to and, and how can you use this data to, to help your development? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we can always do better at that. And so that's part of what we're thinking about right now. We already do a lot of that in our content marketing as well. It all ties together, but yeah. And then of course, the we'll have to send some emails at some point, I imagine. <laughs> that's... So we'll have to do some marketing emails, but also we have a drip email sequence inside of our app. Like when you start to onboard, where we introduce you to the product over time, I don't know how many emails is that, six or seven or... Yeah, something like so we'll that, have to... like seven to 10 based on, there's like a few conditionals, so not mm. everyone gets every email, but yeah, it's like a sequence. So we'll have to figure out like, how can we slot in insights into that email sequence and where does it make sense to introduce that? Yeah, I, I haven't started thinking about that too much. I'm debating on whether I just want to like draw, add a few emails to the sequence or rewrite the sequence in a more holistic way, which takes mm. a little longer, but might be better. But then again, we also try to, we try not to send too many emails, especially like 
for like for marketing a SaaS product to developers because developers don't always love emails to begin with but especially like they didn't really they're not necessarily signing up for an email sequence <laughs> like you might right. be if you're signing up for like if you're dropping your email we're trying to like yeah there's kind of a, a line to walk there yeah I, I i really appreciate how we've separated out our marketing email campaigns from our in-app drip that we send people not only because our provider requires us to only send transactional emails <laughs> using their service but it also helps keep that those two domains, I guess, separate. We don't have to worry about cross pollution or sending somebody the marketing emails that we shouldn't be sending them. But also since we use Heya, which we'll link to in the show notes in, in our app, as opposed to having it like at a, let's say a convert kit, which we use for our marketing emails, then we can say in our app, okay, if they've used insights already in this way, then we don't have to, we can skip that email entirely, right? We can use that mm -hmm. avoid data that we have. We can use other data inside of our app to decide, oh, okay, they're already into that. We don't need to send them a message about that. So I, I love how we have that set up in our app. Yeah. Yeah. I built Heya uh, so that we could do that inside the application, like our Rails application, as opposed to using like third-party external marketing tools, which if you're using an external tool, you basically have to send events to be able to do the conditional email workflows, basically, which is fine, but it's nice to be able to like just have everything run on top of your, our database. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then also I think it's really easy to be able to say, oh, we're pushing out this feature and here is the, you know, and you can see in this pull request where we're changing our email sequence because those conditionals are defined in the code along with everything else, right? It's not in some separate thing where we got to, oh, let's go remember to do that over there. And when do we change it over there to match up when we're deploying and stuff like that? Yeah. Now that said, we do, we send broadcast email through a user list still, which is also, I think is receiving some of our customer data events. So we could duplicate or we have options now. Mm -hmm. And at least until I build the broadcast into Heya, but I'm not, I'm not like holding out for that at this point. Cause I've been talking about that for too long. <laughs> we won't get into that. So, so we've got, so we have three sets of emails then we deliver, right? So we got marketing mm -hmm. emails to so someone that might come to the blog and like they drop their email in the box, the blocks, and we have a, a drip sequence specifically for them. And then we have the in-app onboarding emails, and then we've got the in-app mass emails, broadcast emails. Yep. Yeah. And that's the classic problem there is like when we want to send an email, it's like, where do we send it? Do we send it to, do we send a marketing email and say we like announce a new feature, for example, like insights when it comes time, do we send like an email to the marketing list? Obviously we want to send an email to all of our customers who might not be on the marketing list, but there's also some overlap in there. And we like to be respectful of not like sending people multiple emails. So that's usually, I don't know, that's, that's just marketing. That's a marketing headache that I think everyone has <laughs> to deal with. But I do, I think lately we've, we have been like sending more emails through ConvertKit, like for marketing stuff, but most of them have been like related to our blog. Like we, we have it, we have a pretty good like settings page where you can select like the types of content that you want. And then when we publish a new blog post, that's about Ruby or about PHP. Like if the people that are interested in that will get that email, but I think we could always do a better job of actually like, um, creating additional marketing content for people who are specifically interested in hearing from us in that respect. And those emails are different from just like general customer update or like new feature emails. So there's always more email to send. Yeah, we could definitely do more there. 
I like, what is it, Seth Godin. I like his philosophy. Like, if you have something that's really useful to the world, then you should be sharing that with the world, right? Don't cover up the stuff that you think actually brings value. But, you know, don't impose upon people stuff that's just like garbage. But when you have something that you think is useful, say it, get it out there. Yeah, I like Seth's approach. Just because like marketing in general, like I have mixed feelings about it. Mm -hmm. At its worst, it's manipulative and like not always honest, but I think there's a better way to do it. And Seth's always been delivering real value. Like you're actually like educating people. And I think also you had this, this tweet from Michelle Hansen, who was quoting Alex Hillman in his book, The Tiny MBA, which is a great book. It's on my shelf back here actually. But I, he said, when, when done well, marketing and teaching are nearly indistinguishable from one another. And that reminded me of the Seth Godin marketing approach as well. It should be like both parties should be benefiting equally, basically to earn the permission. It's like permission marketing was Seth's thing. That's what we always shoot for. Yeah. That's good stuff. I always appreciate when someone is giving me something that's useful. There's a newsletter I get, just the name just left my head right now, but it's about, it's about pricing. It's about talking to customers. It's about marketing, Mm -hmm. but it always has something useful in it. And so while it's this newsletter that shows up once a week and could could get annoying but it's got this useful info and so i actually do want to read it so yeah and then hopefully you might want to give them money at some point when you are when you happen to need the service (laughs) they provide which i think is the is the trade yeah Yeah, that's what we're all hoping for right it's a good way to do it (laughs) cool well i've got some uh, noise starting outside my window here (laughs) i think maybe that's a cue to wrap it i guess so yeah (laughs) well always a pleasure hope you get uh kick that covid to the curb pretty quickly I hope so. And I hope I don't have a, have any recurrence, um, but I hope everyone stays safe out there and yeah, whatever, mask up and be cautious because it's still out there. Yeah. And if you don't have COVID or if you do, you can give us five stars on any of your favorite podcast listening areas. Assuming that you think we're worth five stars, we'd be happy to have your glowing review anytime you can leave it. Cool. Until next time. Until next time. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. Founder Quest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.